Today, we want to share an exciting preview of a Shakespeare podcast we think you will enjoy, Play On Podcasts. Each episode explores plays from Macbeth to A Midsummer Night's Dream in a way anyone can easily understand, created by some of America's most captivating playwrights, directors, and composers, and performed by awarded stage and screen actors. This preview features the one and only Keith David. You know him from classics films such as Barbershop, Disney's Hercules and the Princess and the Frog and Greenleaf, the television show, uh, Community, and the list goes on. This is the first episode of Play on Podcasts King Lear series, where Marcus Gardley sets his translation of King Lear in San Francisco. Here, anything can happen at any moment and madness is barely constrained beneath the brittle veneer of gentrification. Infused with a jazz score that evolves in time with Lear's decline, this is a harrowing journey into the essence of life, death, love, and loss. Here's the first episode of King Lear. Enjoy, you guys. Next Chapter Podcasts presents the Play On Podcast series, King Lear. Episode one, heave my heart into my mouth. For the best listening experience, be sure to use headphones or earbuds. Just look with your ears. Evening, good fellow. Tell me, have you laid eyes on Kent? She awaits for you on the balcony, sir. Ah, ah, I see her. My friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, fine. Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Kent, my friend. Gloucester. Good to see you. How's the king? Troubled, I'm afraid. Mm. He changes his mood more often than the moon. You know, I could have sworn he preferred the Duke of Albany to Cornwall. Yeah, well, it always did seem so to me. But now, since he has busied himself dividing his kingdom, it appears that his mind may be divided as well. For he cannot discern which Duke he values most. And I hear he's cut the kingdom into such even parts. One can count it all odd. May I have this dance? You may. My lord, is that not your son? Ask my wallet. (laughs) My money has made him into a man. There were days when I would have blushed to call him mine, but now I'm tickled pink to think of it. Really? Me? I can't conceive of such a thing. My lady, neither could I, but clearly his mother could. For she conceived him from her womb, then laid him in a cradle long before she bedded a husband. I suppose this makes her sinful. Uh, Perhaps, but her sins may be forgiven since the boy seems blessed. Wait till you meet my eldest. Oh, he was born under lawful bond and has been the spark in mine eyes ever since he was a sprout. They are both dear to me. My lord. Oh, thank you very much, thank you. Although this one... The bastard came into the world wild as weeds, for his mother had the face of a flower. She and I did roll around in the hay, which made making him good sport. (laughs) (laughs) 
Come, come, come. Meet my bastard. Say, Edmund. Uh, have you met this noble lady? I have not, my lord. This is the Countess of Kent. You must remember her as my honored friend. My lady, I am at your service. I am pleased to know it and hope we'll serve each other someday. My lady, I shall study deserving. Wow. Good evening. (laughs) He speaks well, doesn't he? (laughs) He's been studying abroad and we'll leave again soon. Oh, look. Here comes the king. Attention, all stand in honor of the royal family. The king's eldest, Goneril, and her husband, the Duke of Albany. The king's middle child, Regan, and her husband, the Duke of Cornwall. And finally, the king's youngest, Cordelia. On the arm of her father, our most dear and honored King Lear. Gloucester, wait on the lords of France and Burgundy. I will, my lord. In the meantime... All shall see what secrets are about to be unveiled. Give me the map there. Know that I have divided the kingdom into three. It's my intent to shake all cares and commerce from these aged bones, conferring them on younger souls, before I, no longer burdened, crawl toward the mouth of death. (laughs) To my son-in-law, Cornwall. My lord. And equally to my son-in-law, Albany. My king. The king this hour publicly divulges the dowries of his daughters so future strife may be prevented now. And to the great princes, France and Burgundy, great rivals for my youngest daughter's love, who both have courted her a long while in this court, shortly they'll have the answer they've been longing for. But for now... Tell me, dearest daughters, since I must give up my throne for a bed, my land for sky, and my cares of state for no cares at all, which of you shall say she loves me most, so I may extend most of my bounty to you? Tell me, whose nature is most worthy and whose merit goes unchallenged? Goneril, you are the king's first. Therefore, be the first to speak. Sir, I do love you more than wisdom can wield the words. (laughs) Farther than eyes fathom, wider than arms stretch and embrace. More than my freedom, beyond valuables rich or rare. More than life itself. With grace, health, beauty, honor, as much as any child ever loved a father or father found such love from his daughter, I love you so that I lose breath trying to explain it. And my speech falls short, for above all, more than all, I love thee. Not bad. (laughs) I give you bountiful lands within these bounds. From this line to this, with shadowy forests and with sunlit prairies, enriched with luxuriant rivers and meadowlands wide, with towering trees, the king makes his eldest more than a lady, for you and Albany's progeny in perpetuity. Now, 
What says the king's second daughter? Our dearest Regan, wife of Cornwall, speak. Sir, I am made of that same metal as my sister, so prize me at her worth. In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love. Only, she comes up short. For I profess myself an enemy to all joys, except the precious fondness I possess for you. And I find I am only in the highest of spirits when in your dear highness, love. The woman can turn a phrase, can't she? (laughs) (laughs) Dearest Regan, for you and your inheritance forever, this king gives an ample third of his fair kingdom, no less in space, validity, and pleasure than that which is conferred on Goneril. But now, my joy, now for the last, not the least, whose young love's been entangled in the vines of France and milked on the wines of Burgundy, both of whom strive to interest me the most, that you may draw a third portion more opulent than your sister's. What do you have to say? Speak. Nothing, my lord. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing will come of nothing. Speak again. When it comes to eloquence, I am hapless, for I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. I love your majesty according to my bond. No more, no less. Now, now, Cordelia, mend your speech a little, lest you may mar your fortunes. My lord, you have begot me, bred me, loved me. And so I return those duties back as our right fit. I obey you, love you, most honor you. Why do my sisters have husbands if they say they love you most? If I wed, the Lord who takes my hand will hold half my love, half my care and sense of duty, for I shall never marry like my sisters who love only their father. Can this be the true music of your heart? It is, my good lord. And is your heart so hardened that it cannot play softer, child? It's not as hard as it is heavy, for although I am your child, what I say is still true. Then your truth's empty. Therefore so is your dowry. For by the sacred radiance of the sun and mysteries of Hecate, and the night by all operations of the planets from whom we exist and expire, I hereby disown you, discarding all paternal cares, kinship, and property due you by blood. You have at once become a stranger to me, and my heart holds you in less regard than a barbarous cannibal who consumes the meat of his own offspring. Even that beast would have my heart before you, my sometime daughter. But my liege... Peace, Kent! Come not between the dragon and his fire. I loved her most, and had hoped to spend my last days nursing on her kindness. Get her out of my sight! Only the grave now can bring me peace. 
Now that she's ripped her father's poor heart from his chest. Call France. Who stares? Call Burgundy. Cornwall and Albany, you each have a daughter's dowry. Now bisect the last third and digest it. Yes, good king. Whatever you wish, my lord. Let her pride, which she calls truth, marry her. I now invest you in a joint venture, imbuing you both with power and privilege and the largesse that comes with being king. I'll reserve 100 knights and the right to have an open invitation every other month at each of your abodes. And when I tire of one, the other shall make her house my home. Further, since I am king, I shall retain the name and all additions that go with it. I still rule over my revenue, but the rest, whatever's left, beloved sons, is yours. To confirm, you each may wear half of this, my ancient crown. Royal Lear, whom I have ever honored as my only king, loved like a father, followed as my master and as my great patron, thought of in my prayers. I know where you're headed, Kent. I've already bent my bow and drawn my arrow. Make from the shaft. I'd rather it leapt in the air and the arrow's head strike me in the pit of my heart than for I to be unmannerly when you are mad. But I must, for your sake, my lord, protest this performance. Tell me, what do you hope to accomplish by acting mad, old man? I swear by my life, your youngest daughter does not love you least. Nor are her words an empty-hearted echo, even if they sound low or seem hollow. Kent! If you value your life, speak no more. My life I never valued except to be your pawn. A piece for you to play, to wage war against your enemies. I have never feared to lose my life. Keeping my king protected has always been my only move. Out of my sight! See better, Lear! Even if at first I am more of a bullseye than the apple of I the... swear by the gods... Why swear, king? Why take the name of our gods in vain? You lowlife! You miscreant! Oh. Dear sir, please... Hold back your rage, please! No! Let him kill the only physician who cares enough to force-feed him a cure! Take back your gift, Albany and Cornwall. For if you don't, as long as I can speak, I'll cry out that what you do is a most vile and evil thing, sir. Listen to me, villain. You are still my subject. How dare you tell your king to break his vow, which he has never done, and with a forced pride suggest to him that he revoke his word, which is not in his nature, nor a decision he can afford. For such insubordination, here is your reward. You are allotted five days for provisions to shield you from the inevitable disasters of this world. But on the sixth, turn your hateful back on my kingdom. For if on the following day your banished body is found anywhere in my dominion, I will hasten you to death. Away! I swear this by all the gods! 
A king's word cannot be reversed. Be well then, king. Since clearly your act has gone beyond its natural claims. Freedom has left the building. Only banishment remains. Kent, Cordelia, my dear, may the gods forever shelter you. You've been more than a lady. You've said things most just. And you, daughters Goneril and Regan, so may your deeds live up to your larger-than-life speeches so that we can see the harvest when good acts spring up from words of love. Kent bids you all adieu. She'll reshape her old course in a country new. Here stands France and Burgundy, my noble lord. My lord of Burgundy, I understand that you and the king of France here have rivaled for Cordelia. What is the least that you require by way of a dowry? Or will you cease your quest for her love entirely? Most royal majesty, I crave no more than your highness has offered, unless you're offering more. (laughs) No, noble Burgundy. When the daughter was priceless to the king, he did hold her to the light like a jewel or a goblet to toast. But now her price has fallen, for, sir, she's become misshapen. See her there, that lump of coal with seemingly no substance. She's only good for heating a man's rage. But if you can do something with an old flame, then I guess she's all yours. I know not what to say. Sir... Will you take her with all of her defects, noting that she has unfriended her father and is new adopted to my hate? Therefore she is disowned. And her only dowry now is my curse. Take her or leave her. Pardon me, royal sir, but I elect to have more time to think in light of the current conditions. Then leave her! For I swear by the gods that made me, she is of no value to you anyway. And you, great king of France, I love you too much to match you with this stray I hate. This is most strange, for she was until now your best object. What could she have done, your dearest daughter? What monstrous crime could she commit that so quickly you strip her bare? Surely, if you call her a monster, then she must have tried to take your head off? Or perhaps she simply lost hers? Unless the monster is you, and the early affection you showered on her wasn't true. Though, in truth, it would take a miracle for me to believe that she could be anything except loving. Sweet Cordelia. Forgive me, your majesty. I seem to lack the glib and oily art for puffed-up orations. When I desire a thing, my actions speak louder than speech. But I would have my father know this. Never did I leave a stain on our crest, nor did I ever commit murder, lust, or dishonor, which certainly should deprive me of your grace and favor. It is simply because I lack an ever-begging tongue that you've made me worthless. That's enough. Go away. It would have been better if you hadn't been born than to have so displeased me. Surely there's more to this than the fact that she misspoke. She may not have given the full history of her love, but no doubt she intends to do so. My Lord of Burgundy, what say you to the lady? 
Love's not love when it's mixed with familial matters. Will you have her? She has no money now, but I hear her character is as valuable as any dowry. Royal King, if you'll impart me that portion of payment that you previously proposed, then I'll take her by the hand and she'll be the Duchess of Burgundy. I'll give as she gave. Nothing. (laughs) And on this I cannot be swayed. (laughs) Then I am sorry, dearest Cordelia, that in the same hour that you have lost a father, you lose a husband. Peace be with you, Burgundy. Since your true love is to gain a fortune, I am fortunate not to be your wife. Fairest Cornelia, you are most rich being poor. You are refined even if you are forsaken, and for one who is despised, you are certainly a prize. I open my arms wide to possess you and your virtues, seeing that this man has cast you away. I'd like to make you a treasure. O king, your dowerless daughter whom you have tossed away, fate has tossed my way by chance, and I will make her queen of my kingdom, the fairest lady of our dearest France. Bid them all farewell, Cordelia, even though they've been unkind. Your love is their loss. A better life is ours to find. Take her, King of France. Let her be your fatherless queen, for she is no longer mine, and I pray never to see her face again. But, Father, I... Go! Go! Without a king's kiss, his love, or his blessing. Come, noble Burgundy, and my only daughter's men, Albany and Cornwall. Bid farewell to your sisters, Cordelia. Well done. You are now the jewels in his crown, and I am only tears. Cordelia leaves you, knowing what you truly are. Love our father well. I commit him to the nursery of your bosom, since you both profess to loving him most. I would prefer him to a better place. (sighs) But alas, farewell to you both. Do you dare tell us what our duty is? Let your study be to please your husband, who has taken you in out of charity. You did not obey our father, and therefore deserve the punishment handed down to you. Time will unfold the wrinkles in your plan and in your faces. You can hide behind deceitful lips, but sooner or later your own swift-moving tongues will cut off your own necks. (sighs) Have a splendid life. Come, fair Cordelia. Sister, Hmm? we have much to discuss concerning things that have just developed here. They concern us both. I believe our father will leave tonight. Yes, he will. For he's staying with you. Next month, he's ours. I'm sure you've noticed how his mood swings more with age. We must keep a closer eye on him. It's no secret he loved our sister most, and we must note that banishing her was poor judgment on his part. There's a sickness that comes with age. So, 
I think his real illness is vanity. For even when he stops to look at his face in the glass, he never sees himself. Let us be honest. Even in his prime, our father was a pill. Mm. And now that he's old, we must try to swallow his imperfections. Even those that have matured into deep-rooted habits. For this is the hard-shelled crabbiness that comes with being a curmudgeon. We are certain to witness more erratic outbursts, like his sudden banishment of Kent? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Let us put our heads together and map out a plan. Just in case he refuses to surrender his power and turns on us. Shall we think more on this? Indeed. Then we shall strike when the iron is oh so hot. Ready, my things? Prepare my car! Speak The Play On podcast series, King Lear, was translated into modern English verse by Marcus Gardley and directed by Eric Ting. The cast is as follows. Keith David as King Lear. Bernard White as the Earl of Gloucester. Aldo Billingsley as the Fool. Christiana Clark as the Earl of Kent. Gina Daniels as Goneril. Francesca Fernandez McKenzie as Cordelia. Lance Gardner as Oswald and the King of France. Daniel Jose Molina as Edgar and the Duke of Burgundy. J.D. Mollison as the Duke of Albany and the Doctor. Tramel Tillman as Edmund. Amy Kimwashki as Regan. Rex Young as the Duke of Cornwall. Casting by the Telsey Office, Karen Castle, CSA, and Ada Karamanian. Voice and text coach, Rebecca Clark Carey. Episode scripts were adapted and produced by Marcus Gardley and Catherine Eaton. Original music, sound design, and sound mix by Lindsay Jones. Sound engineering by Sadaharu Yagi. Additional engineering by Daniel Ben Shimon. Mix engineer and dialogue editor, Larry Walsh. Podcast mastering by Greg Cortez at New Monkey Studio. Line producer, Jordan Moore. Managing producer, Robert Cappadona. Senior producer, Miriam Lauba. Executive producer, Michael Goodfriend. The senior manager of business operations and partnerships at Next Chapter Podcast is Sally Cade Holmes. The Play On Podcast series, King Lear, is produced by Next Chapter Podcasts and is made possible by the generous support of the Hits Foundation. Visit ncpodcasts.com for more about the Play On Podcast series. Visit playonshakespeare.org for more about Play on Shakespeare. Hear more about the Play on Shakespeare podcast series by listening to bonus content at ncpodcasts.com, where you'll find interviews with the artists, producers, and engineers who brought it all to life. And remember, anyone can see how this world works. Just look with your ears. <laughs>